0: In this episode of the insight with earth show we have special guest ruslan we talk about different things about how to scale a business what it takes to grow on youtube and what it means to keep your faith and connect with all types of people through the content that you create listen in because this is a conversation that you are going to enjoy we have special guest ruslan with us i'm excited to have him on the show i was i was telling him earlier before we hopped on when we first connected his big inspiration when i first started posting on TikTok, just the way he was able to carry a message. And I know that you guys are going to enjoy this episode and just some of the things that we're going to get into. What's going on, brother? Talk to me.
1: What's up, man? I'll Bruce give you my Bond. drop real quick so they, they don't feel, they know how to pronounce Bruce my name. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Irv. I'm excited to be here, brother. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. So how do you... Because
0: I know some someone might look at your last name. How would you actually pronounce your last name?
1: My last name is Oglanov. And that is native of... It's uh, I'm, I'm Armenian, but it's technically RZ. It's technically Azerbaijanian. No kidding. So
0: are you first generation or, or are you? Yeah, I came
1: here? out here when I was six, came out here when I was six. My dad is very Armenian. Uh, Russian is the first language. So, yeah, definitely. That's what's up, bro. So I know that when we were talking earlier before we
0: even, you know, hit record, we were kind of just vibing a little bit. Um, I was I was letting you know that just some of the things that, that you speak on and some of the things that you get into. It's I, I, I enjoy your content. I can literally say I have someone on the show, not saying that I you know I don't want to shame any of my other guests, but I actually enjoy what you piece together. I I, I really do. Uh some of your content is definitely inspiring it's even to me as a creator myself, helps me kind of think outside the box and keeps me going. And so I'm I'm curious, with the type of content that you put out, where do you kind of draw your inspiration from?
1: Oh, that's a great question. In terms of where I draw my inspiration from, I think there's there's a couple people. Um, I would say Gary V is up there. I would say Dave Ramsey is up there. I think those two guys are the kind of the OGs in the space that I came up on. I actually discovered Gary Vee through Dave Ramsey, oddly enough. And then I would say lately it's been the the formatting has been similar to a Meet Kevin. I think Meet Kevin's formatting. And the way he pumps out his videos and all that kind of stuff. So I would say somewhere in that ballpark, I think I think Gary V is someone that I think adds a ton of practical value. Mm-hmm. I think the principles that if we're talking financial literacy, if we're talking just practical flourishing, human flourishing, it's going to be closer to a a Dave Ramsey, you know, with a with a more millennial twist on it. And yeah. then I think the formatting is going to be similar to what me Kevin does.
0: And with what with what you've been doing, um, I've noticed that there's almost like a sequence that you run. And it's you'll have, let's say, the longer episode, longer form episode, and then from there you have the bite-sized pieces, which is even a Joe Rogan approach.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, and Joe Rogan. Sorry, Joe Rogan will probably be the the last one. Yeah, the Joe Rogan approach is I think is very helpful. I mean, even um Crystal Crystal and, and Sayar, Sagar, I always butcher his name, Sagar from the <laughs> the Hill, and they just yeah. went over to their own uh, they just launched their own thing. I think it's the similar thing. You do a long stream. You could potentially share that with your community or your direct tribe, and then you can go in and chop it up into bite-sized pieces to retain that, uh, attention.
0: That's true, because not everyone's going to sit there for, let's say, a one, two-hour stream. Uh, but let's say if you have the headlines, so to speak, I'm not going to sit there through a whole news segment, but I will pick and choose the headlines that I want to sit for three to seven minutes, depending on how long your video is. Um, I I watched your setup of how you kind of have everything from the way
1: that you live stream to the way, you don't use hotkeys, you use a switcher, right? I use a switcher and I use a stream deck. So the stream deck is for like all my transitions and all my like little lower thirds and stuff like that for Ecamm or or, um, OBS. And then the switcher allows me to just kind of cut cameras like this and then, you know, I could come back here. I could come over here to this camera angle. And so, yeah, it's nice. And then I got, I even got a little slider on the, the side camera so that I'm kind of sliding over here. And so there's a teleprompter on this camera. So I'm actually seeing you over here. And then there's also a teleprompter on this camera. So I'm always, I could always look at you when I'm talking to you and then let's go back here. So, yeah.
0: And it's all about efficiency because if, if let's say someone's never made YouTube videos, it's a process. From the moment that you write the script, we call it research. We call it, obviously, um, backing up our statements of where this content is coming from because it, we just, it just doesn't come out of thin air.
1: Yeah.
0: The recording process to the cutting, the editing, all of that, the amount of time that you save, I mean, you so you're running it into, let's say, a software, right? Ecamm? Ecamm, yep. Ecamm right, right now,
1: OBS before Ecamm.
0: Into OBS, which is what I'm familiar with. Yeah. And then from there, it overlays because you never have to take up. Uh, you never have to take out a memory card. It just goes right into your software, and then from there you can just cut, cut, cut wherever. But I've seen you go live, and, and you don't really stumble.
1: Yeah. So not only do I use the software to go live, I actually use the YouTube editor to chop down my lives into multiple videos. So I like the idea of doing everything preemptively and and once and sometimes some days I'll find like an actual rhythm where I'll do my thumbnails ahead of time and I'll know I'm going to do these three or four topics my thumbnails will be ready to go and then as soon as I'm done I go right into the YouTube editor I'll chop it down into four individual clips and I could drop you know four or five videos a day that way so I try to avoid final cut at with every or yeah. any 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 software by expenses but for me, I want a certain quality. I want, I want a certain degree of credibility when people look at my stuff. Other people, I mean, they can literally just do what I do on their phone if they wanted to. You know, they can they can just punch through the whole thing. They don't even, you know, they could use transitions. They don't need to use transitions. You can hook up OBS to your, uh, your phone and stream, yeah. use your back camera on your iPhone. If you have a newer iPhone as your camera. And so there's so many different ways people can, can make content now, man, that it's, it's, it's a really a cool time. I think to be a content creator.
0: Oh, 100%, especially coming off of, you know, what we, what we came out of where so many people are now kind of, I would say sober to the idea of you actually can do this from home, which, which is really what it is, whether you're just recording from your living room or let's say you're just getting off your phone and I, I always see it as a way of you don't necessarily need to be the expert. You just have to be going through an experience or ha- at least have an experience in something that you're willing to share with somebody. Which kind of brings me to, you know, this thought of you starting and really taking off with your channels over on TikTok and then really taking it off over on YouTube. And you were doing that in 2020. That's really where start, where you started pushing up, at least from what I noticed.
1: Yeah, TikTok. I started TikTok earlier than that. I think I started TikTok like 2019 and I got some good traction on TikTok, and um, and then I was always doing YouTube on the side, just kind of interviewing my friends and using different formatting, different sequencing, trying out different things. And I liked doing interviews, which was fun, but I but I was able to do them on per, in person because I was traveling a lot. So I would then get together with, with friends of mine, we would sit and chop it up, and I was like, oh, I just need to record these conversations. So I would bring this like mobile setup with me. Obviously the pandemic hit. I wasn't able to do that as much. Well, at all, really. And then I started to pivot and go into the live streaming, building up my setup at the house all along. TikTok was a really good like launching pad, but Mm -hmm. I feel like they just, they'll, they'll, they'll fool with you on the for you page. Like my videos would like, I'd do like two, three videos and they just go, man, I'd pick up a ton of followers and then I just get stuck you know, at the same yeah. spot. And they just like, they just, they'll just turn off the for you page whenever they feel like it. Then they'll turn it back on and whenever they feel like it. And so my last couple of videos haven't went to the for you page. And as a creator, you're like, you tasted the virality of going viral. And then it's like, really, you're just going to keep me stuck at 33,000 <laughs> subscribers, you know, followers on TikTok. So that's when I went over to YouTube, man. And I feel like YouTube is a bit more predictable in my opinion. Like, I feel like you can have a fire video on TikTok and it'll flop just because they don't they don't work it on YouTube. If you have a fire video, YouTube wants to push that up because their motto is to make money off the AdSense. And if you're popping and you're retaining attention, they're making money. Well, I feel like the business model on TikTok seems a little different to me.
0: I, I, it, it almost feels like they're taking a more of an Instagram approach um, where even now. So what, what's going on with them now is that they were selling ad space. Mm-hmm. so they weren't able to sell enough of that ad space, so now they're coming over to the creators. Now, I just want to thank our good friends over at Amazon's Audible, who are the sponsors of this video. If you want to get your hands on a free month, as well as enjoy a free book of your choice that you can have read to you, as well as enjoy different series across different catalogs, you can do so by hitting the link down in the description. Enjoy. The reason for that is because they couldn't sell enough ad space from big you know, companies, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Burger King, you know, all these big companies, And so they came out to the creators and are offering that. But I have noticed a suppression even in even in my content, even in other creators that I've spoken with from that. Now, Mm. you know, are we complaining because it's all about the views? No. But is there a certain metric that we have to kind of go off of to see if it's worth an ROI? Absolutely.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. So you said now you can you can pay to boost your TikToks as a I wonder if that's available to, to everybody. That's interesting. Yeah,
0: that and that that's what I was wondering. So I saw it on my side. That's why I kind of put that little, you know, caveat in there. I have a business account over on there. So if you have a personal, you may not see that feature. And so with with your content, though, staying on kind of like that thought process, you tend to cover a lot of ground. I'll see you one day. You're talking about aliens and then (laughs) next (laughs) talking about how to get out of debt. And then I turn around and you're and you're speaking about biblical principles of being filled with the Holy Ghost and what it actually means to speak in tongues Mm -hmm. and actually backing it up. Right. With apologetics, uh, with theology. Where does that come from? Do you feel at all like, okay, I'm losing a third of my audience if I speak about this? Do you are you okay with kind of, in my opinion, kind of running that risk of maybe turning some people off, you know, in both sides of the board? You know, how do you kind of, you know, think about that?
1: this is where i think the dave ramsey gary v uh joe rogan comes in right like if you look at what me kevin did does and did it's more informatory we're just gonna i'm gonna give you information the latest stimulus update and it's it's all value it's all value it's all value it's all value i think with a joe rogan a Dave Ramsey, a Gary Vee, there's an investment into their personality that's deeper than just, I'm here to give you the latest information. I'm here to give you the latest value. So for me, my channel is not niche driven because I like a a, a a wide spectrum of things. So my channel, even though I am considering the consumer and what they would find interesting and I, and what can I add value with meaning they like this i can speak on this let me combine those two things i also don't limit it because i rather have depth with people if i'm just there as a utility for somebody to pull up and get the latest stimulus information or get the latest news or get the latest proverbs in a day i could do like i could do that stuff on my sleep right yeah come here in the morning and do your devotional with me but if there's more buy in Uh, I think you can create more opportunities to build community and more opportunities to convert your audience into paid customers. So you're less of a utility. See, I don't ever want to be just a utility in the way I create content. Not to say there's anything wrong with that, but there are – especially with TikTok moving more towards education, there are TikTokers that are just primarily utilities. You get the latest coronavirus update from them. You get the latest vaccine roll update. And you don't give a crap about their personality. You don't care if they're married. You don't care the name of their kids. You don't care what their hobbies are. I don't want to be just a utility because a better utility can come along. Someone smarter than me who could teach the Bible better than me who's more, you know, Why would they listen to me if they could listen to Dave Ramsey or Anthony O'Neill on financial literacy? Those guys already master the space. So I think what people come over is because it's a wide spectrum of things, yes, I'm casting my net probably a little too wide, but then that depth created, I think, builds me a more core audience that is there for me and not just for the. So they're there because they like the way I think about things. They like the way I approach controversial topics. And I don't think it's far off to think that the person who's trying to change their family legacy may find aliens and tongues interesting as well, even though it may not be the main thing they're there for. If they're there for a thing about career, and then all of a sudden Ruslan's talking about aliens, like they'll probably be like, duh, what does Ruslan think about aliens? And again, this is where the Joe Rogan comes in, because Joe Rogan covers a variety of topics. The difference with Joe Rogan is he was already – a notable figure, so it's easier for him to do that. Whereas for me, I'm kind of building it on top of like practical value while people learning more about just me as a person, right? Documenting as well as creating. And I th- yeah, I, th- I think I've been fairly intentional about that. And I got buddies that do primarily utility stuff and they crush it and it's a, it's a great way to grow. If you know what your niche is, your wheelhouse, I'm just gonna speak about this. And you just yeah. go all in on that. Great way to grow. I don't know because I make music, because I have digital products, because I have merchandising. I don't want to just be the guy with a million subscribers or half a million subscribers, but there's no depth there. There's no legs there. You know, like some kind of tech reviewer, like those guys that do like tech reviews, they're great. But I feel like I get more conversion with 80,000 subscribers than they do with 800,000 subscribers because they're just there for the latest news. It's just the latest Apple hot takes or whatever, right?
0: I agree with you 100% on that because even during the stimulus updates where you'll see uh, somebody just come in and they just want to see, okay, when's the next check coming in? Let me get my information. They don't even subscribe. And so you'll see Mm -hmm. like 90% unsubscribed to a 10% subscribed. And you really want to start driving that down. Like even when I put out content now, um, and we were talking about this as well, where now I'm really kind of starting to branch off apart from financial stuff, just other things that, that, that I want out there. And, um, I always think of kind of like three things when I'm putting out a piece of content is, is my current audience going to check this out? Is the new, is this going to capture a new audience? Is it going to get their attention? And then I'm looking for a third pillar, which is, is this going to help erect and build an audience that I haven't even tapped into yet? And so mm. that's something that I started doing on TikTok. Um And again, huge inspiration that, that you gave me when I first started TikTok. I wasn't doing as much, I would say the practical motivational style content, if you had to put it in layman terms. Yeah. Yeah. As I am now. And so a Trojan horse for me, and I've never even said this on a podcast before, so we're just going to be candid here, a Trojan horse for me was actually the financial concept mm. because I wanted to attract people that needed that information, but now that they're getting it on the back end, Irv's pretty dope. Ruslan's pretty dope. I wonder what he thinks about marriage. I wonder, mm. what, he, I wonder what he thinks about happiness. I wonder what he thinks about money management. Yeah. So now the other content's really starting to pop. Because like you, you're starting to find other columns and sectors that people want to listen to. And so yeah. what's yeah, dope
1: but- about that? I mean, just 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 those of you guys that are watching, what's dope about what you just said, though, is that even that your CPM is going to be higher on financial content. That's a different type of consumer. And CPM is a cost per thousand views. It's what YouTube pays you per thousand views. Right. So you're, you're making more money with more valuable content, which my like my views dropped. Everybody's views dropped on YouTube since like everything's been opening up, right? So my views dropped, but my CPM uh, has went up. Like my my CPM has almost went up by thirty percent since yeah. April, I think. Yeah, since yeah. April, twenty twenty thirty percent. And so that's uh that's because I've kind of pressed more into some of these other conversations on career on finances that kind of stuff so I think I think yeah I, th- I think you're totally spot on man intuitively it totally makes sense and I don't think people understand that side of it because there's folks that are getting two dollars per CPM you know and completely not understanding what what's that what's gonna what's that gonna do to them you know
0: it, it all depends like the the, the business model so I, I go off of, I don't necessarily need volume uh, mm. because a lot of it kind of like you comes in on the back end of okay you know you watch a video, Really, ad revenue is, is just icing on the cake if you're running a profitable business model. It's what's happening on the back end with, again, that audience attention and the audience retention where if I, my goal is if YouTube shuts off tomorrow, and I'm glad you brought that up. If I'm just a utility, they can get that on Fox News. Mm-hmm. But they like Herb. They like Ruslan. Okay, there's a new platform. They're typing in your name to find you because you're bringing in a perspective that they start to crave. Absolutely. Absolutely, I love that. Have you have you noticed that as well? Kind of in in your music, where that type of audience has moved with you, with where you are now, the type of content that you cover.
1: Yeah, I would say my audience primarily. I was grandfathered into having an audience because I was already doing music for you know the better part of a decade. So I was profitable with music. Goodness gracious, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, it was starting to take off for me. But th- that's when the recession hit. So all of like shows got shut down the 08 recession. So it was like I had finally gotten some momentum. Boom, recession hits. Everybody's budget gets cut. All these colleges cut their budgets. All these churches cut their budgets. So I can't do shows anymore. And I remember thinking like, man, I can't ever be in this position again, right? In terms of like being so dependent on on these things to work. And then this gets cut off. And I thought to myself, the next time there's a recession, like I'm gonna be prepared. Like I'm gonna be positioned to capitalize on it. And when 2000 hit, I was like, okay, I oh I am already self-employed. I already have you know I don't know maybe I had twenty five thirty thousand followers at the time on Instagram. Um, I already had maybe ten thousand twelve thousand follower uh, subscribers on YouTube. TikTok was actually my biggest platform at that time. I was like I'm going all in on YouTube, and I'm going to pivot right now and intentionally do something different. Because I already have an audience. This is different for someone that's starting with no audience. If you don't, if you don't have a thousand followers on Instagram, you don't got a thousand subscribers. It could be very difficult to get yeah. that initial spark when you don't have a, a predetermined audience and you don't have any connections to anybody that's doing anything. See, yeah. my my uh, my Patreon is interesting because what people can do on my Patreon. This isn't. I'm not trying to do this as a plug, but it's. I do a thing where we do Zoom calls with people and my audience can call into me. So some of my audience got into the YouTube space. So they started getting hip and would call in, have a 10 minute conversation with me, right? And then take that and put that on their YouTube page. So they're doing collaborations with somebody that's 10X, 20X their audience, but they're leveraging that and putting that on their own channel. And I think it's super smart. So it's like an easy finesse of anybody that wants to have like me on their channel. I don't say this, but like, you just join a Patreon and ask me a conversation. I might even put you on my channel and give you cross promotion. Right. So now we have a community of emerging YouTubers that got a thousand, two thousand, four thousand, six thousand subscribers leveraging my audience. It's very difficult to do that when you don't have any type of mastermind group community, people that are helping you, like, just think differently about it. And also people that have went somewhere where you haven't went. My buddy Nick D just said this to me the other day. Nick D is a super dope artist. He went viral on TikTok. Um, he uh, just signed a deal with Universal Republic for uh, his song "Fine Apple." If you if you guys are on TikTok, you probably have heard the record. It's huge. Number number three, number four, viral record. And Nick 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 said to me something else. yesterday. We were talking. He said, "Man, once you get a song to go viral, your confidence just goes to a different place. You know, yeah. like your confidence just goes to a different place." And I thought about that just in life. Like if you think about Having access to someone that's gone to the mountaintop and done something that you haven't done, um, you just start thinking about the music industry different. You start thinking about YouTube different. You start thinking about things different. And I've always had some brothers that had just went further than me earlier than me. I've always known Sean Cannell. Like he wasn't like my best bud, but like I've known Sean Cannell since 2010, 2011. You've always been cool, and I've always seen Sean Cannell a couple seasons ahead of me in YouTube and seeing what's possible. And then I went to his conference in 2018, and I'm like, holy smokes, this dude did a whole conference that's... The, the room is jam-packed and he was making seven figures then so i always knew it was possible because i always had somebody a season ahead of me and i would say if 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 folks can get some type of access it doesn't got to be you don't got to be best friends with somebody most folks like sean cannell or people that are really popping like yourself or you don't got time to be out here mentoring a bunch of people and you know doing one-on-one calls but if somebody can get access to you in a group zoom call or get access to you in a dm um that can really empower somebody just to see the possibility of what's of what's out here right now in this in this space.
0: That 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 that's ideal because I actually posted something on um, over on my story the other day. You know, roughed a couple feathers, but hey, we'll live with it. I don't believe in mentoring just anybody, and I, and I and I see this culture a little bit too much, at least for my liking. Where if you drop 10k for mentorship, I'll mentor you. I'm very selective. I don't need the money. Yeah. I'm very selective with even who I invest my time in, regardless of how much you're paying me. It's 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 a two-way street. Right. I'm not sure if if you feel like that as well. Um, but when it comes when it comes to mentorship, I also see it, and you know, if you're listening to if you listen to this and maybe you're not a believer, but I also see it as a spiritual connection where there's a drawing out of me that's going to get deposited into you, regardless if we're talking about finances, regardless if we're talking about credit cards, even right now talking about YouTube. You might be thinking about this. I don't really want to do YouTube, but I do want to tap into a mastermind where they do X, Y, Z, which is where I want to go. Yep. And so with that thought process right there, is is that something that you kind of as well, or do you maybe handle that differently where someone comes to you
1: with, I want to be mentored by you? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't do one-on-ones. I don't do paid one-on-ones. I don't do consulting. I don't do any of that. And, and it's really because I was... Listening to Naval's podcast on how to get rich without being lucky, I recommend it for everybody. I don't know if you, if you know who Naval is. I discovered him yeah. on, on uh, uh, Joe Rogan, and he has this really dope three-hour podcast that he goes over money. And it's just his, his his crazy premise is like, he thinks anybody can be rich. He thinks anybody can build, just about anybody can build rich, right? And, uh, and, 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 and it, what he's really getting at is wealth. And one of the things he talks a lot about is not trading your time for money. He said, because your time is is extremely valuable and extremely scarce, what you want to do is you want to trade results for money. So if something takes you an hour, but it generates you $1,000, if something takes you an hour and it generates you $10,000, if something takes you 100 hours and it generates you $10,000, you're trading results for money and not time for money. And when you're doing one-on-ones, when I'm doing one-on-ones, I feel like it's very uh, transactional. And I feel like a lot of people also don't apply what what they're being told to do, which is also very frustrating. And when I break down my my time, what my business generates, what my business actually generates and how much time I spend working on the business, it wouldn't make sense – it shouldn't make sense for somebody – to give me $1,000 an hour or $2,000 an hour. It, is, it doesn't make sense for, for, for anybody to do that. So I don't do those because one, I don't wanna be that guy that's like, hey, I wanna uh, do a consulting call. And I'm like, yeah, $2,000. That's not my audience yet. If I was in corporate America, if I was doing big brands, maybe that would be different, but that it doesn't make sense. So i rather do it, to your point, to the spiritual side, the discipleship side, I'd rather do it for folks who I genuinely believe in, who there's some degree of organic relationship with, and everybody else, can go through our Patreon and to hop in a group call and get 10 15 minutes of my time, 5 minutes of my time in a group setting because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, at this point it's not worth it. Now we have thought about doing some type of like higher end mastermind group for like seven figure entrepreneurs that want to jump into the YouTube space. Yeah. But now you're talking about a totally different demographic of people. That, yeah, at
0: that point that's that's a whole application process.
1: Yeah, that's the application process. That's we got to qualify you for it. That's a yeah. different type of sales force. But then something like that would make sense, but that's not where my audience is. That's not who I'm speaking to, right? Now. I'm not speaking to seven-figure uh, doctors or lawyers that want to start a side YouTube channel because they want to build a personal brand to one day write a book. That's not That's not what, what my audience is right now. Um, but that would make sense at some point to do something like that. But yeah, I think right now, man, I like the idea of pouring into people that I see have potential, and 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 I also like pointing to people that I feel like get overlooked because I do feel like there are folks that do, that, that get overlooked, whether they're coming from a disenfranchised community, whether they're coming from, they just don't have financial literacy skills, their paradigm is different, they they've kind of been beat up. Though I like seeing those people win than the person that could pay me five hundred dollars a month or three hundred dollars a month for coaching. It's like I don't. I'm not that excited about. Now you're not gonna apply half of what I tell you to apply. This person yeah. over here, like their life depends on it, right? They're, they're, this has got to work for them. And so I've been able. I've been blessed to see some folks behind the scenes, man, grow some really cool small businesses that are flourishing in the marketplace. And I've had a hand in that. And that. And I haven't charged anything for that. And that's that's to me my way of giving back. Is like let me help somebody build something from the ground and not uh and not be transactional.
0: Yeah, I lo- I love that so much because sometimes you you get really the sense the sense of fulfillment over just the paycheck, right? The, the paycheck come and go. I mean, you can you can find different ways of making money, and it's not just about you know making the money. And unfortunately, for some people, it gets to the point where money's making them, and yeah. they have they have this attachment of their worth to their net worth, and they're really you have to have the the really the self worth before you have your net worth. Which is something that I that I tend to talk a lot about because I constantly even remind myself of that. Sometimes we get caught up, you know, with the chase and the next big idea, the next big piece of content, um, that next pillar of content or audience that you want to tap into. How do you cause this comes up quite a bit, how do you manage burnout?
1: And do you believe in burnout, really? I think burnout can it can be managed preemptively, in my in my opinion. And I think burnout is where you make the investment into your health, into your your eating, your sleep. I mean, goodness gracious, hustle culture, right? Like so many people want to work 25 hours a day. <laughs> it's like eight days, when you, eight days a week. Like, when are you sleeping, bro? So I think burnout, in my opinion, could be managed by, uh, I have a therapist that I pay a lot of money to, you know what I mean? That I think is worth every penny. Um, who's a, who's a, who's also a follower of Jesus and really helps me just process this stuff. And so I think burnout can be managed preemptively for someone that has the luxury to even think about burnout. A lot of folks don't even have the luxury to think about burnout because they're they're living hand to mouth. They're just living paycheck to paycheck. They're not even in the space. So they're trying to get something going on the side. It's, it's a lot. And most people like the the up the uprising of somebody's Business and and them changing their family tree. That first season is hard. So you got to be okay with like this is gonna suck for a while. Like I'm gonna struggle for a season. I think once you get to a position where you're profitable, you get, I highly recommend people invest back into themselves. And I don't mean equipment. I mean get yourself a trainer, get yourself a therapist, get yourself some good food, make sure you sleep. If you're not sleeping, you know seven hours a night, take some naps. Go play basketball get, get get some hobbies and i think most of that can be prevented and all of my best ideas come when i'm at the gym my best ideas come when me and my trainer are going back and forth and having a heated conversation me and my buddy are having a, and i'm like oh this is going to be a great video today so i think investing back into yourself is huge and obviously there's also the the perspective where uh as a creator you're 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 gonna have this insatiable thing of like the next milestone right like Oh man, if I could, if I get to 80,000 subscribers, oh, if I get to 100,000 subscribers and then you get to 100,000, you get, and it's always going to be the next thing where, in my opinion, I'm thinking like, man, I'm, bro, I'm content. Like if, if this is as good as it gets for me, right? The money I make, whatever, like I am so grateful for what God has allowed me. To experience right now, like I've won the lottery, just being able to be in America, uh, be able to do what I love from for as a, as, a, as a career, be able to be always arms reach within my family, like so. I think there's that degree of gratitude right now. The ambitious person in me once more, but man, I'm so grateful just for where I'm already at, and I operate out of, and this is what me and my therapist talk about is let me focus on being faithful and not being successful. Because success success is always fleeting. There's always going to be another milestone. There's always going to be another mountain to climb. There's always going to be another product to launch. There's always going to be a new social media that comes out. But if I am focused on, hey, am I faithful to what God has given me in this season? I got a nine-week-old. I'm like, man, I really want to be on TikTok. My buddy Nick D just did his deal with Universal. I want to start making music again. I'm so excited about all these opportunities. But I got a nine-week-old, bro. I'm not in the same spot I was a year ago. You know? Uh, and so, I, I, am I? Be, the question is, am I being faithful? So last night, like I could have stayed up, you know, and put in another hour of music and try to make some beats or whatever, do a TikTok video, or I could hang out with my nine-week-old. Like I'm gonna, ha- I'm gonna choose hanging out with my nine-week-old after a seven-hour day um, because that's me being more faithful and being more present. That that doesn't necessarily make sense on paper, but in the grand scheme of things, if we look at you know, the things people regret when they're on their deathbed. Most people regret working too much. Most people regret not being present in their home, not sharing their feelings, right? So I just, I don't want to look back on my life and be like, oh man, like I made a lot of money and I did a lot of cool stuff, but like my family suffered or I missed my kids growing up, you know?
0: Yeah, 100%. I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Even the way that I kind of process it, as you're saying, I'm thinking about my dad. And I never thought to myself, because I played baseball growing up, never ta- thought to myself, My dad worked an extra 10, 15 hours just so that I can afford this gear. The only thing I can remember was being able to say that my dad was in the stands Mm. whenever I was there, whether we won or whether we lost. I can count every single time my dad was in the stands, whether he got home from work early or whether he maybe had to pick up an extra shift another time. These are the sacrifices that we make. You said something interesting, though, that I I don't want the audience to overlook because I've never seen it put like that. And you said, and this was kind of at the beginning of that, where you mentioned uh, a lot of people don't have the luxury of being burnt out. I've never seen it put like that before, and I didn't want the audience to overlook that because that is that is that that is a blessing, right? It feels like a burden, but it's also a blessing on the back end um, of having that. The reason you're getting burnt out is because you have a lot going on. Now it's time to build out systems. Now it's time to build out sequences. Now it's time to, okay... What's a priority? What stays? What leaves? Is this profitable? Can this obviously take a back seat? So I didn't want the audience to, to miss that uh, because again, that that to me was was key and something that I really picked up even for myself. I'm I'm curious with your uh, enneagram,
1: are you a type three? No, no, that's funny, you guys. No, I'm a type eight. Uh, I think I'm a type eight wing nine, and my wife okay. is definitely a wing nine. Uh, so I, I think. If we examine most of our issues that we're going through, the major the vast majority of us, especially those of us that are on TikTok or YouTube or Chris, like we're talking about first world problems, right? We're talking like, oh man, like I wish I had a newer car. You know, like I wish I had you know, I, I wish I could, like, even during the pandemic, like, I wish I could go to the gym. Dang it, the gyms are closed, you know? And it's like, these are really first world problems that the vast majority of us are going through. And then burnout is a first world problem, is you got too much going on, you have too many things to, to, to take in, and you, and you haven't filtered out what is priority and what is not priority. And by the way, that word priority um, didn't start becoming priorities until the last three, 400 years. Meaning that to have multiple priorities is a relatively new concept. Most folks have a priority in their season of life. What is What season of life are you in and what is your priority? Not what are your priorities. It's very difficult to say, I'm going to build uh, an incredible seven-figure business, have an incredible mm-hmm. body and get sub-10% body fat, be an incredible uh, husband and father, and also pick up the hobby of learning how to code. You know what I mean? Like, and thrive at all those things. Like, you're not going to do all those things at once. Yes, it's it's impossible. It's too much. So, I think when we start just simplifying and saying, what is the priority in this season of life that I'm in? What is a priority? And what things can be put on autopilot? What things can be, you know, create systems for, like you said. Um, And uh, yeah, I I think that that, that's my heart, man. It's like, what's my priority in this season? It's not always the thing that I want. It's the thing I need. Sometimes things you need don't, don't, don't go with what you want, but they're better for you long-term. I'm going to be happy that I was more present with my nine week old when she's nine years old. Then I am going to be like, whoa, I got to 10, I get to a hundred thousand subscribers faster. Like that's not going to matter when she's nine, you know? Yeah.
0: You won't even remember when you hit a hundred thousand. Exactly. Like- like what, what, what day that I hit a hundred thousand, but you will always remember, I have a two year old, you always remember where she took that first step. And that was big for me, even yeah. myself as a father, just because I believe that uh, fathers are future builders okay. and, you know, we can be that bridge for our kid the same way that our parents were the bridge for us and just kind of keep extending that further further down the road. I think that that's really where that legacy gets built. Brother, I appreciate you taking time because I know you have a lot going on on your side to hop on over on my side, enjoy us here in this world, and just bless us with your presence. Speaking of priorities, right now in this season, what are you working on that you can share with our audience? Feel free to plug anything you want in because I'll be dropping the links down in the description on Spotify as well as on our YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, man. I'm working on new music that's going to be tied into YouTube content in a merch strap. And then we're gonna take that and that is actually one of our modules in our course, are my master YouTube live streaming course, which is the way I make my YouTube videos. So we have a section in there on merch and we're gonna make that its own course. So we're gonna walk through the process of releasing music, doing content around the music, dropping merchandise around the content and the music, and then doing a course on how to do all that. So that's kind of the plan for the summer because I do think for the vast majority of creators, um, not all but, but many is monetization through merchandising is going to be the, the 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 best way and the, and the easiest way the first way they could put a couple extra thousand dollars in their pocket yeah. and uh, and so I'm going to walk through that I mean we've done it multiple times and we got this system dialed in with with merchandising that I think is really helpful to the person starting with a couple hundred subscribers all the way to the person with you know 50,000 subscribers and so I'm super excited to walk through that and start releasing some music again tying it in and so yeah man so that's coming in the next couple weeks i gotta just really just finish the artwork and uh and then other than that just youtube channel you know they can check me out on on uh youtube ruslan kd um there's all kinds of different topics that we covered there everything from addiction to financial literacy to earning extra money to following jesus I Love it, and then your Instagram handles, same thing. Ruslan- same thing, yeah. Just Ruslan KD on all platforms, TikTok too. Which I, you got me inspired to 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 create a TikTok video today. So it, I'm gonna watch yours and then <laughs> and then go create one of mine. We get the
0: little collab over on that side. So, you know, I'm always up for it, man.
1: Yeah, man. Appreciate you, brother. This was fun, man. This is this yeah. is this is fun, and and kudos to you, man, because I don't see a ton of people, uh, creating and active across all platforms. Uh, usually people kind of choose one or the other and usually people go all in on TikTok and their YouTube falls off big. And so it's super dope to see you as someone that's consistently active on all. It seems like you haven't missed a beat on YouTube, you haven't missed a beat on TikTok and you're like, everything seems to be leveling up for you. And I think that's that's really inspiring to see, man. So congrats yeah. on that.
0: I appreciate that. It's octopus arms sometimes, but it's part of the next leveraging process we're gonna be having now with the editing team. So I'm working on that. I love it. Yeah, good deal. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you guys already know, consider giving us a five-star review over on all of our podcast platforms. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing over on the YouTube channel as well as over on Apple and on Spotify. Once again, I appreciate you guys checking this out. Until next time, everyone, I will see you in the next episode. We'll see ya.